series now, well, my third week in this message is relaunch the glorious church. I love the church. I love, and I don't say that flippantly, that the glorious church, because God established it. And, and I got some things to share with you that, you know, take notes of it, mental notes, put it in your phones or whatever you have to do. If, you're, if you want to, you want to look real special that you're reading your Bible on your phone. Actually, you're on Facebook or something. Uh, send, send a message out to someone and say, you've got to hear this message. Uh, and, uh, and they would tune in later as it goes online as well. But I want to pray for this word because it's speaking to us for who we are as a church. Sometimes we, we forget what the church is and the purpose of the church and what we are to do to be a part of it. So, Heavenly Father, it is in your Son's name and through the power of the Holy Spirit that I ask that you would bring every thought every imagination into captivity by your spirit. And let us hear what the what you are saying, what the spirit is saying to the church. Let us be as one voice, as one body, as one people, hearing what you are asking of us. And Lord, I pray that we would respond in obedience and saying, send me, Lord, send me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, right now, the Cardinals are playing. I don't know if they're losing or winning. The last couple of weeks weren't so good. I have a great nephew who is, is the social media director of the Cardinals, and, and he keeps me updated on stuff and that. But, but, but I've gone to some games last year, and it was so much fun being with all those crazy lunatics in the stands. And, and, and when you hear them shouting in, in unison in one voice for a particular moment in that game, it is almost deafening. And, and sometimes maybe watching on, on the couch, one, it's cheaper. Two, it is, is you get a better picture from, from, from being in the stadium, but you're missing out on the energy that is in those stands. And I've had the privilege to be able to be on the field and being eye to eye with those players and seeing the energy that there is, especially when the, when the tide is changing and there's momentum in your team and you're moving down the field. There is just nothing like that. There's a special energy that comes in a shared message, whether it is a, a mission for the win a game or a mission as today is to bring heaven to earth. And when, when we asked Jesus to really come into our lives, we gave him permission to give us the game plan, to be able to reshape our values, and our perspective of our life. That's what it means is asking Christ to come into our lives. We put him in charge. He becomes our head coach. And, and what we do is that that mission is the church. And here's what I love about what he does is that he's not just 
putting out on a on the field a select few people, he is sending every single one of us out there into that field to be a part of that great mission which he has called us to do. We, 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 you, you're all beautiful, so don't take this wrong. But sometimes it could, we could look kind of ragtag team, a bunch of people. But this I do know is that the mission for what we have doesn't matter if you're young or if you're old. It doesn't matter where you've come from or what you have done. We are all placed upon that team. You are all first string. And, and listen to Galatians. I love God's word. The third chapter, verses 26 through 28. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says this, For you are all, say all, for you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all, well, let's do that again. And all. Good, you're catching on. Who have been united with Christ and baptism have put on Christ, putting on a new clothes. There is no longer Jew or, or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all in Christ Jesus. Three times. You know, sometimes we're talking to our kids and we say something. I'm saying, this is the third time I'm telling you. Are you getting this? I want you to know this is the third time the Spirit of the Lord is speaking in the church and is saying, are you getting this? And I know in the season in which we live in is that we get tired or wore out. Even sometimes there's fleeting moments that come upon us and I'm ready to give up. But I want you to remember something. I'm talking to the body of Christ here. It's in Romans 15, verses 1 through 2. From the New Living Translation again. We who are strong must be considerate to those who are sensitive about things like this. Sensitive to the environment, the world of which we live in. Because I don't know what you're going through all the time. I don't, and we don't understand each other all the time. I know how I feel because I interpret it through my life experience. But your life experience may be different, and you're interpreting it different. And when I say, well, I know exactly how you feel, I really don't because we're all very unique. But we need to be sensitive to each other that we must not just please ourselves. We should help others do what is right and build them up in the Lord. You see, what it is is the same way that a team feeds off of each other, we build our strength from each other. I love our worship team. I draw energy from them. The more I see the energy that is coming from them, when Anthony comes off of those keys or off of that guitar and he raises his hands, he's worshiping the Lord. I Feel that. That splashes down upon me. We could splash that, that, that word, that power of his spirit upon each other. When the disciples were walking through the crowd, you remember when their shadows fell upon people, they were healed. It wasn't their shadow. It was that manifestation of being in the presence of God. We are able to impact each other's lives. Now get this. This is really powerful. 
when our minds are unified with Jesus in the same way he was united, unified with his Father, anything is possible. Well, let me say that again because I don't know if you've got that. Now, let me say it again because I need to hear something here. When our minds are unified with Jesus, okay, him and us, in the same way that he is unified with his Father, anything is possible. Amen. That's right. Anything. I, you know, I, I can remember when I was in the locker room, the coach would come in there and he would say something. He would get us riled up. He didn't want us to just say, oh, that's nice. He says something that to get us all pumped up. One time he got us so, so pumped up that we were so, so, well, all of our minds practically, he says, well, let's go out there. They forgot to unlock the door. We ripped the door off of his hinges and moved it over our heads behind us as we were running out. We were insane. I'm telling you, church, anything is possible when we are unified with Christ as he was unified with his Father. Knowing that, Paul reminds us of this, is that he says there's that power that comes and that unity in which we have in Christ as a church. Romans 15, verses 5 and 6. I'd like to have, boy, if I had my drummer here, Chris, I would have you giving me a drum roll, you know. May the God who gives endurance. Anybody need any endurance? (laughs) And encouragement. Need some encouragement? Give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ had. Wow. The same mind that Christ had towards us, he wants us to have towards each other. So that with one mind and one voice, that you may glorify the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do I hear a shout, church? Amen. Amen. Now, Jesus calls us to be one, working together for the glory to be able to build his church. And when we say yes to Jesus, what we do is that we put on his team jersey. I I thought about earlier, I was going to ask Nicole, because she makes shirts, I was going to ask her, you know what, maybe you could make me a, a, a shirt that said, Team Jesus. Man, that'd be so cool, wouldn't it? Team Jesus. Everyone, regardless of our skin color, of our age, of our social status, or of our past life experience, has a role to play in this. This is why I'm in the third part of this re-engaged series in dealing with non-negotiables. And that non-regotiable, that re-engage is truth. The truth of his word is not negotiable. It is the word. It is not by my interpretation. It is by the leading of the Holy Spirit, what God is saying to the body of Christ. And in that, I was talking to you last week and a week before, where Paul was saying that, that the church is a pillar and a beach, is a buttress of truth. Hmm, what does that actually mean? 
Paul means that there is a divine revelation, the message delivered from God to mankind. This is eternity invading the present. This is God Almighty speaking into our lives. And that truth is, who is God? Who are we? What is right? What is wrong? What is the meaning of the universe? What, is, what does it mean by which people are made right with God? See, what it is, it's God is known and characterized by truth. God is known and characterized by truth. In contrast to that, the devil is known and characterized by being the father of lies. He is the great deceiver. He absolutely hates the truth because he knows the truth will set us free. He hates the church because the church is the foundation of that truth and it is the beacon of light in which that truth goes forth. Listen to this in 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, verse 4. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of God, who is in the image of God. You see, in the midst of the darkness of all this around us, God established the church. And we are to guard that truth with everything in which we have within us. The church is to be the instrument of God's life-changing, hope-bringing, devil-and-sin-defeating truth. You know, the first crowd was much more awake. I don't know. Let's just do this again. The church is to be the instrument of God's life-changing, hope-bringing, devil-and-sin-defeating truth. Amen. Hallelujah. The church is to be that pillar and buttress of truth. Pillars, that's an interesting term that he uses here because Paul understands the importance and the significance of pillars in his day. The temple Diana that temple was was an absolute monstrosity. It was 450 feet long, 250 feet high, I mean 250 feet wide, 60 feet high, and it boosted 127 columns or pillars. It was world-renowned for its structure. Why is that? Why do you think that those pillars were so important? Is because those pillars were thrust in the building high enough to make a significance. It wanted the community and everybody around them to know that it was alive. About a year ago, God spoke into my, my mind and my heart. I was, well, I don't know if it was a dream. It wasn't a vision, but it was a dream. And he says, if your church no longer existed, will your neighbors in the community know that you are gone? 
Wow, that got my attention. Because listen, church, is that we need to make a difference in the world that is around us. A pillar majestically adorns the building all around it. That's why you go to our national capital that you see these buildings that have all these high pillars. But what about the buttress? There's another word that was used, Paul used, in that 15th verse in, in the Greek it, it re- refers to the NIV foundation. In the New American Standard Bible, it refers to as a support. And in the New King James Version is the ground or foundation. It was a foundation in which that building stood upon. It was there for the test of time. And that foundation had to be there. If only the base and the support and the ground foundation was not supported, nothing, those pillars that would stand high and above the ground for everyone to see would collapse. So the church has a dual purpose, church. First, it has a foundation. It is to hold the truth of this word. It is something that we do not compromise. It has something to say to the body of Christ and has something to say to the world around us. It is the same yesterday and today and forever. It is not compromised. It is the truth of God's word. No book in the history of mankind has ever been scrutinized as the word of God. When they were writing this word from one language to another, they would write it as they were writing it. If there was a mistake, they wouldn't cross out the mistake and do it again. They started from Genesis all over again. There is nothing like that word of God that is being brought before us. Secondly, it is a pillar. (laughs) Excuse me. It is to be that word that it is to be boldly, boldly proclaimed. Have you ever heard someone say to someone or they're at the workplace or something, and and all of a sudden they found out that someone was a Christian, they says, I didn't know you were a Christian. I'm going to go, why not? Why didn't they know? They should know. Is there is something that should be seen. That is why we have to approach every single Sunday as we gather together as a body of Christ as though heaven and hell depends upon it. Because it does. You see, the church is God's vehicle through which the world comes to understand and know that life-changing message of Jesus Christ to the world that is broken about us. The church, whether as individuals, because you are the church, or corporately as a body of believers, we have to declare and persevere in that life-changing message that the world so desperately needs. You know, we get all types of messages. Oh, good night. I mean, how how many of you can't wait for the political ads to be over with? You know, I cannot wait. 
on both sides. I'm tired of them, just absolutely tired of them, because they're both giving us half-truths and what they're trying to proclaim. I'm saying, can anybody speak the truth out there anymore? Well, I want you to know is that you listen to the news and what they present to us. They want to remind us how horrible the world is all around us. I want you to know this word of God wants to present the world to the world hope and love and what it could do to bring a change in people's lives. The church has something far more than anything else this world could offer. We ought to protect it. We ought to guard it and preserve it as if our life depends upon it. We are to build it up and proclaim that truth as if our own life depends upon it. Because the truth of the matter is, it does. It does. Paul loved the church. He loved traveling from one city to another to help establish these churches, to visit them, to speak into them, to bring encouragement, to bring correction into him. Let me ask you a question. Do you love the church? And why did you come today? And, and why are you watching online today? In the 189 days that we are online, I am so grateful to see you here. And I am so grateful that we had the genius, not mine, I'm telling you, but the genius of this staff to be able to put together that amazing online service that people are listening to right now. Because there is something to be said that, in fact, I, I want to do something. It's kind. Of, it's going to be kind of strange, is that? So I, I, my camera guy, get ready because this is going to be a little bit peculiar. I should have warned you ahead of time, but, 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 I, I, I want because I love knowing that you are here. Now it's hard for me because when I come in Sunday mornings. I come in with an excitement to be here with you, but I come in with a broken heart because my wife can't be because the doctor hasn't released her. She has compromising issues, health issues that I have to protect. And so she is, she is watching online. So stand with me, please. There are people right now watching online. So I want you to turn, face the back where the camera is, and I want you to wave to them saying, we love you. Tell them that. We love you. We love every one of you. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. And to my main squeeze, I love you, babe. I'm coming home. Okay. Man, I lost my train of thought in that thought. I just, why not? Amen. <laughs> you see, we need to love that church as Paul did. And I wonder question I ask is, why do you come each Sunday? Why do you come back each Sunday? What keeps you coming back? And why does the church, even through all of its changes of what we have gone through, does it really matter today? What makes the church so important? And Paul tells us that the church is really amazing. Now, she's not perfect. I mean, she, she, she has some issues 
that there. You know, I, I, you've heard me say your pastor is an is an has absolute perfect imperfection in him. Yeah. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. But we have that work of the Spirit that is conforming us into His image. What I love about the church is the relationships with people with a single common denominator is Jesus. That single common denominator is Jesus Christ. That special sense that, well, when we come together, In his name, guess what? He is here. Do you get that? He is here. And I want you to know is that when you tune in online and that you are coming together with the body of Christ, he is there right now in that room where you are. I want you to sense the atmospheric change. I want you to sense the awareness of the presence of a holy God because he is not bound by walls. I love what our missionaries said last week is that they said that you don't, he doesn't need a passport. He doesn't need a visa to get into parts of the world that no one else could get into. He doesn't need anything. He is there in your home as he is here with the body of Christ in this church. And there is something eternal that is going on. Something that he wants life-changing in our lives. The church, it really is very special. No wonder Jesus said this. In Matthew 16, 18. I, I love this. Not the pastor. Not the board. Not just the people. I, Jesus, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Amen. Amen. The church, the gospel of Jesus Christ, continue to go forth. The pandemic can't stop it. Political um, anarchy cannot stop it. No one can stop anything of what God wants to do. There are countries in which do not allow the gospel of Jesus Christ to be heard. But there is the word of God that is going on in those churches. When that church in China was shut down, that underground church didn't grow by one, two, three, four. It grew exponentially. It went into the thousands and ten thousands and millions upon millions of people came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ because God's word continued to go goes forth and you are a part of it. I want you to understand something in that is that the church has something to say and when you as an individual you are the church you have something to say. Now you look at me you know I could I, I could tell eyes you go huh huh you know yeah get your finger out point to yourself and saying, I have something to say. Because I have a story. Because you do have a story. Everyone loves a good story. Some people love some good stories. They love the whole Star Wars series. They love the forces with you, you know. Uh, 
Or there's others who love a good romantic story like West Side Story. Some of you are thinking, what's that? Google it. It's a great story. It's a it's 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 men being two gangs that are dancing like ballerinas. You know, it's it's uh, I never well, it was fun to watch. And uh, and then there was the jets, and then there was the sharks, and there was a time when there was there was the chaos, and they had to stay calm and cool. And there was a song that saying, "Cool man, cool, stay cool, cool man, cool." You know. Yeah. Are you laughing with me or at me on this? I think. Everyone loves a good story, though. But whatever that story is, is that I want you to know that your story is better than any awards in any movie or or TV shows, the Emmys or, or the Oscars could give. Because you see, your story is directed by the Father, by the Son, and by the Holy Spirit. And there is, amen, and there is nothing in your life that is wasted. He will use everything. When I was a young boy growing up, there was a, a, our youth group was called the Overcomers. It was part of a denomination. It was a sister denomination of the Assemblies of God called the Open Bible Church. Our church was, I don't think it was as big as that one section that we may have here. It, it was an old storefront appliance store. It was Springdale Open Bible. My sister-in-law remembers that church. The good old Open Bible Church. Boy, we were strict. I'm talking strict, Pentecostal strict. We weren't allowed to have, have Christmas trees or TVs. It was crazy at times. Uh, I didn't know because we couldn't afford that stuff anywhere around my home. We were so poor, so you know, I didn't know what I was missing. But, but this thing I did know is that in that youth group, the overcomers, there was a scripture that was attached to us. And that scripture was in Revelations, the 12th chapter, verse 11. And it tells us, and they conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Do you get that? And they conquered him. They conquered Satan by the blood of the Lamb, what Jesus Christ has done. And by the word of the testimony that is a part of our story. It is so powerful because that story penetrated the darkness of the world that was all around them. Not only do we get the opportunity to share the gospel, but Jesus gives us that opportunity to partner with him in sharing that story. That your story is absolutely incredible. There are people out there who need to hear your story. They need to know that there is someone in which they could relate to. I wish I had the time because I could take the next several hours walking through this congregation and referring to you online watching 
the stories in your life that you could relate to people, what you have gone through or what you are going through and how God is still being manifested in your life and that he still has a purpose in your life and he's still wanting to do some amazing things in your life because, you see, what you have done is that you took your mess and made it a message. And God is able to do that by the work of His Spirit in our lives. The only way that we could have that boldness to be able to declare that amazing story that you have is through that acceptance of Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and then coupling because He knew that we cannot do this alone. Coming together as a body of Christ, as a church, and we join those forces. My question for you today is this. Who can you tell your story to? Even if you think that your story is not spectacular, I want you to know something. In the hands of God, it is. That rod in Moses' hand was nothing more than a piece of stick. And what happened is he stood before Pharaoh and those 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 prophets or whatever you want to call them in Pharaoh's court, when they turned their rods into snakes, Moses threw his rod down, his rod became a snake, and his snake was bigger than their snakes. Consumed them all. And then he picked it up. <laughs> I want you, when he held that stick that meanness stick over the Red Sea, God used it as a means to divide the water. You see, church, you think you're nothing more than a piece of driftwood. But I want you to know, in the hands of God, you have a message. The story has, your story has the power to change the lives of those all around them. Why? Because they over they conquered him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony. Can I tell you an amazing story? This story comes out of First Corinthians, the eleventh chapter. Verse 23, and it says, For I have received from the Lord, which I also deliver unto you. The Apostle Paul is saying, I have this life experience, this story that I received from the Lord, and I want to pass it on to you. That the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. He, he, he wasn't talking about a very good night. He wasn't talking about a good day. He wasn't talking about a highlight of a moment that he goes, wow, I'm so happy for this time. He was talking about when he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks he didn't take that bread and start listing all of his needs. 
He didn't take that bread and saying, look what's happening in me. He didn't take that bread and saying, God, you need to do something to these people who are coming against me. He says he took that bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and he said, take, eat. This is my body, which has been broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. He's saying, remember my story. Because my story becomes part of your story. See, the brokenness and what he went through, that, this, that wafer that I have, that you have in this cup, that wafer is that brokenness, symbol of that brokenness of which you've gone through. And his brokenness overcame it. And he wants to use your story coupled with his story to change the world because he's saying, this is what I could do. You become my trophy. When I was in El Salvador, I was praying with a young woman who, well, she, she had her hand stuffed up into her shirt, her sleeve. She wouldn't bring it out. And when I laid hands on that hand, that sleeve, it was hard as this pulpit. I pushed the sleeve down and a hook came out. That what happened to that young gal, that she was bitten by a snake in South America called the Exodus. That snake is deadly. Not deadly that you will soon die. Deadly that you die instantly. Seconds you die. But she didn't. Her family, she went home, told her parents she was bitten. They didn't know what to do because they figured she's going to die any moment. She woke up the next day. She was still alive. Her hand was starting to decay away. They rushed her to the hospital. They had a hard time trying to find veins for intravenous. They were able to work with her and to save her life for some reason that that young gal did not die. It was a miraculous. And I took that hand, arm of hers and I held it up and said, don't you hide this. This is a miraculous hand of God and what's how he has preserved your life. Hold it up as a trophy of God's favor. It became a story. The most horrible moment of her life the mess became the message. It became a story of God's grace. That's what the brokenness of Christ. And after the same manner, he also took the cup. And when he supped, saying, this cup is the New Testament and my blood. This do ye as often as ye drink it in remembrance of me. <laughs> wow. Any of you, well, don't raise your hand because you might have family around. Any of you one time or another thinking that, man, I wish I belonged to that family, not this chaotic group, you know. I used to tell people, and I says, would you pray for my kids? I says, yeah. And they go, what could we pray about now? And I would say, well, they come from this dysfunctional home. And they go, oh, isn't that your home? There's no perfect place. And God is saying to us, that he has something new. You belong to something much bigger. You've had a blood transfusion 
where you are no longer that old person. You are new, created in His image. Old things pass away. All things are becoming new. I wish it was all things became new because then, boom, there, no, I'm per- ooh, perfect. But it's not that way. Becoming new. Because he wants me to learn the process. He wants me to understand every step of the way. The new things that he's teaching me. To cherish. To hold on to. To appreciate. It's through the blood of Christ. Then he tells us further on in that scripture. To examine ourselves. That's what I want us to do this morning. I want us to examine ourselves. I want us to say, Lord, is there anything in my life is keeping me away from you? Is separating me from you? There could be a lot of stuff. Sometimes it's the little stuff that builds up to be the big stuff. He says, let's start with this. You know what that is in your life. So I'm going to ask us to bow our heads and pray. As we re-engage in the work of the kingdom, I want you to say, I want to re-engage in declaring the gospel truth. I want to be that voice. I have a story to share with people. But I need to get some things right with God. And if I'm speaking to you this morning, you're saying, Pastor, would you remember me in prayer? Because I have a story I really believe God could use. But I need him first to be the priority in my life. Would you remember me in prayer? And if I am speaking to you, what I ask you to do is just to look up at me. That's all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I so love you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Man, there are stories being written. Wow, God is going to declare his amazing work through your life that's going to touch others. So, Heavenly Father, it is in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, that we ask you to rewrite your story in our life. Not what we have written, not what other people are saying we are, but what you are saying we are. And do that restoring work. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you do something with me? Would you take this wafer out of that packet there and hold that up? It's an amazing wafer. It's so delicious. Not. In fact, you know, I, I had some people tell me, says, boy, I really don't like the taste of it. And then I'm thinking, I'm glad. Maybe we should make it a little more distasteful, the bitterness of it. Because of through the brokenness of what he went through through us, we need to sense and say, thank you, Lord. But in that brokenness, he brings healing. For by his stripes comes that healing through his brokenness. So you are about to receive that wholeness that symbol of that wholeness into your body. could be your physical body, your spiritual body, your marriage, your finances, no matter your job, no matter what it be, God wants to bring wholeness in it. So Heavenly Father, we hold this wafer up. We ask that you do 
that restoring work that has always been established. Give us a glorious story that will bring glory to your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may partake. This cup is a symbol of his blood that has been shed. I'm so glad that I have had that transfusion. That now I could proclaim that he is my God. And I am his child. He is your God. And you, my friend, are his child. There's no grandchildren. You are his child. And he loved you so much that he's willing to send his son to die for your sins. To adopt you into his family. So, Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for that adoption that we are now part of a family, of a church of a body of Christ which is like nothing I have ever experienced. Lord, we receive this through that restoring work of the blood of Christ, we pray. Amen. You may partake.